Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Testimony two days ago, I think. Is that according to the word that came forth respecting uh, in respect to jobs? I'm pleased to inform you of my new job offer, which is well doubled my current job in all ramifications. Glory to God. I said, Glory to God. And there's a whole lot of information there, but we thank the Lord. And we give God praise for. God wants us to be able to take care of our families. Amen? And we can believe Him. And He has said that this is our season, and we receive that. Praise God. Are you ready to learn God's Word this morning? Alright, let's see. Praise God. Alright, let's, let's have a word of prayer together. And get into God's Word this morning. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In the last couple of Sundays I've been dealing with the issue of disciplines for spiritual growth. And, um, and I had a vision. And I'll share that vision and then we get into what we have today. I had a vision, uh, just like a flash in my spirit, in my inward man. And uh, it was very simple. When you look at uh, the airstrip we have here, I don't know whether it's, we can call it an airstrip, okay? But when you look at the airstrip we have here, uh, there are certain kinds of flights that can land here, Okay? And uh, if you look at the airstrip in Waridio, Subi Airport, well, airstrip, we'll use airstrip, I think, airstrip or airport. There are only certain kind of planes that can land there. Then when you look at the Lagos Airport or the Abuja Airport, bigger planes, Boeing 737s, the larger one, the Airbus, they can land there. And uh, in my spirit, I, I sensed that the, there are things the Lord wants to send to us, okay? More like from the realm of the Spirit. But uh, I'll put it this way. Our airstrip will determine what can actually land. So the problem really is not in if God has the capacity. The challenge is if we have the capacity to receive what God has the capacity to give to us. Do you understand that? Now, for instance, if this airstrip here were to be expanded, right? They come and they say, okay, well, we want more land. And they take more land. And they expand the airstrip. They expand the runway. I think that's, that's, that's the key. They expand the runway. Expand the land. What's going to happen? More planes, would, uh, b- bigger planes would actually be able to do what? 
to land. So, uh, if for instance, if someone says, why are bigger planes not landing in Bonny Island? It's not as if Bonny Island doesn't have the capacity. It's just that the island is not ready for it. Because there's the land. There's the funds. Praise the, praise the name of the Lord. Now, I, I'm using a natural example to show you a spiritual thing. I'm not saying you should go and carry placards for bigger airports. Okay? But in the, in the spiritual, there are things God wants to release to us. Praise God. There are things God wants to send across to us. There are things the Father wants to release to us. And the capacity to receive them, we have to be deliberate about them. Note my choice of words. We have to be deliberate to build, uh, to build, praise God, uh, what is required for us to be able to access what God has in mind for us. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, this morning, we're looking at praying the right way. Praying the right way. Praise God. Praying the right way. Thank you, Lord. Praying the right way. I have this in my notes, and I'd like you to write it down if you can. Prayer was an essential part of the life of Jesus. Prayer was an essential part of the life of Jesus. He had a prayer lifestyle and culture. He had a prayer lifestyle and culture. Jesus did not... What's culture? What's, what's the... What do we define culture as? The way of a life of what? The way of a life of what? Of a people. Right? Am I right? So culture is not an event as it were, but rather a lifestyle. So Jesus had a prayer lifestyle and culture. Jesus did not pray occasionally. Jesus did not pray occasionally. But he had a consistent, please note the choice of words, he had a consistent, deliberate, and intentional prayer life. I want you to note those three words down. Jesus had a consistent, deliberate, an intentional prayer life. Then I said, I said, consistent, deliberate, intentional, and intelligent prayer life. Those four words. The prayer life of Jesus was consistent. The prayer life of Jesus was deliberate. The prayer life of Jesus was intentional. The prayer life of Jesus was intelligent. Many times in scriptures we would find this phrase, and he rose up to pray. And he went about to the uh, mountainside to pray. He went to a, a deserted place and he prayed. And he went to a place and he prayed all night. 
the all nights that Jesus had was really not a corporate all night. It was more of an individual all night. He prayed all night. You must be able to have a prayer lifestyle to be able to pray all night. But this is where I want us to look at this morning very deliberately. Is that... Look, Luke chapter 11. Go to Luke chapter 11. Sometimes people ask the question, why did God not answer my prayers? Or, a lot of prayer is going on. Why is God not answering? And I want to show you something about praying the right way. You know, many times... When people pray, now let me, let, me, let, me, let me backtrack a bit. God is a merciful God, okay? There's something we must understand about God. There's something we must understand about God. God is merciful. God is good. And there is something in life called the reign of God that falls on the just and the unjust. Don't ever, don't ever, um, don't ever forget that. That there is the mercy of God that flows to all humanity. Whether they are just or unjust. There is what I call the basic mercy of God. The basic goodness of God. It has nothing to do with whether you are his child. It's the reign of God that falls on the just and the unjust. Praise the name of the Lord. Now... What we're talking about here, when we talk about praying the right way, we're not talking about the, the, the prayers that God answers, whether it is accurate or not. We're talking about when you come into a higher level of intentional, deliberate, consistent prayers, when you want to bet something in the realm of the Spirit, or you want to bet something in the realm in your life, or you want to bet something in the community, at that level... Praise God. You cannot be operating on the mercy of the rain that falls on the just or the unjust. You are intentional about getting something from God. Are you following what I'm saying? Alright. Now, having said that, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Now, if you look at the... the well, I don't like calling it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually not the Lord's Prayer. It's, the, it's, it's Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. The prayer of Jesus actually is when you start to read from John chapter 15, 16. You know, but it's popularly called the Lord's Prayer. So we go with that. Uh, when Jesus actually prayed was from John chapter 14, 15, 16 and there. But that's where Jesus actually was praying to the Father. But in this rendering, he was teaching the disciples to pray. So we just call it the Lord's Prayer for the sake of uh, popular words. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now look at this. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Now, I, I needed to follow this. Jesus was praying. And the disciples were watching him pray. When he finished praying, they now came and said, you know what? One of the disciples came and said, what? Lord, teach us to pray. <clears throat> Just as John also taught his disciples to pray. Now, uh, Jewish history had it that every rabbi taught their disciples how to pray. Every rabbi taught their disciples how to pray. So that's why he said, as John taught his disciples to pray. Because, now, you know to follow this now. Because in Jewish history, when you prayed, they could tell 
who was your rabbi. That's why uh, Paul, you know, it was noted that Paul studied under Gamaliel. It's like today, when you pray certain kind of prayers, I can tell what church you're from. Because that's what your rabbi, the word rabbi means teacher. Okay. But I want to emphasize something. It means that prayer has to be taught. Prayer has to be taught. Many times, people pray without being taught. We just observe people pray and we pray. For instance, if, if, you, if you observe, if you're praying, if you walk around the Lord, even your child, right? Even your child, when you say it's time to pray, your child will start pacing around. Okay? And if you go to certain places where they pray certain ways, before you know, your children will just pick up those prayer uh, patterns. So you realize that prayer has to be taught. How to pray has to be taught. Because to them, prayer was not just talking to God. Prayer was not just telling God their problems. Prayer was an intentional, deliberate, intelligent thing that was done regularly, consistently, that was part of kingdom business. And so, they approached Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now, we're looking at verse 2 alone, but then we'll go to Matthew. We want to see Matthew's rendering of it, of this same passage. And I'll show you uh, how Matthew rendered it. Verse 2 says, And he said to them, observe this, He said to them, When you pray, say, Say, Not cry, say, talk, communicate. When you pray, say. So it tells us that the primary method of praying is saying words. When you pray, say. It looks like a very simple line, but it's very important. When you pray, say. So, so you're coming into the place of prayer to say something. Then, he goes on to say, Say, Father. Pray in the right way. Say, Father. Jesus, although he wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't resurrected yet, he hasn't gone to the cross yet, did not teach the disciples to pray to God. He taught the disciples that in their prayers to God, they should say, Father. Two different things. Follow me. God is God to all of creation. The rain that falls on the just and the unjust. But to you, God is Father. Now, this is interesting, because when we read it now, it makes sense. We understand it, because Jesus had gone to the cross. Remember, there were no scriptures. No, there were scriptures, but the New Testament was not written. So here was, here was <laughs> Jesus telling the disciples, When you pray, call Yahweh Father. Go to Him 
as your father. Now, there's a whole lot of difference. Because when you're coming to him as your father, you are going to say words to him as father. There's a whole lot of difference. If, if your child were to come and ask you for something, he would ask you a bit more different than when your neighbor's child comes to ask you something. Am I right? Now, to your neighbor's child, you are a man that has capacity. To your child, you are father that has capacity. To us, we don't just have a miracle-working God. We have a miracle-working father. There are two different things. You know, most times, we, we, I've heard this, and, and I'm careful in saying this without sounding a bit controversial. But I've heard, you know, people try to make us call God by names. You know, uh, they'll say calling names, calling names, calling names in your native language. Your native language might not be a very accurate expression of the fatherhood of God. Because essentially, what Jesus came to achieve was to bridge the gap on how we see God and how we relate to God. So that when we come into the throne of grace, we are not just coming into the throne of a majestic God, we are coming to the throne of our Father. It changes how you pray. It changes how you expect answers to prayers. It changes how you relate to God. Are you, are you, are you following this? Are you here? Okay. Now, they said, teach us to pray. So he says, when you pray, say, Our Father. Our Father. Say, Father. Remember the spirit of adoption, book of Romans. That sends the spirit into our hearts that we might cry, What? Abba, Father. The word Abba is Father in the Greek. It's just saying He has sent His Spirit into our hearts so we can cry, Daddy, Daddy. Today we still have a lot of Christians who pray to God as if He's very far away. And I've heard people say, well, your prayers did not go through the ceiling. Hmm? Or the Prince of Pesha is stopping your prayers. Somebody say, well, the Prince of Pesha stopped the prayer of Daniel. Two questions. Are you Daniel? No. Number two, are you in Pesha? No. Number three, nothing except unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness on your inside can stop your prayers. Because in the order of arrangements in the New Testament... You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places and the devil is beneath you guys. It's not you, the devil, and God. That organogram is... Is, is, is there anything called erronic? No, I'm not sure. Erroneous. <laughs> that would be the right word. That's, that's, take that out of your mind. It's not God up there, the devil here, and you are here. And then you have to break through. You have to break through. Have to break through. Have to break through. You know, people say, well, we are going to storm the gates of heaven today. Don't. You're not a rebel. He says, come boldly to the throne. Don't stay at the gate. Come to the throne. You are not supposed to be storming the gate of heaven. Don't carry this 
Niger Delta mentality into prayers. It's your Father's throne. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. That's why Jesus came. When you see a lot of believers pray, you are wondering, does God even love us? Because our prayers just show, number one, either there's no confidence in God or there's no knowledge of prayer and we're just... We just have this victim mindset every time we come to the throne of grace. Oh God, help me. Oh God, I knew this. Oh God. And, and, and therefore we cannot engage prayers in a very intelligent way or very deliberate way. I would ask people, and, and many times I've carried out this experiment, and very few people I know have a prayer journal. I would ask people, do you have a prayer journal? And, and many people don't have a prayer journal. And say, so how do you track what you pray and when God answers? Because most people pray one new thing every new day. They don't have consistent things they're trusting God for. They cannot say, well, I started praying about this thing this day and it came about this. This is what I'm trusting God. This is when I got it. This is it. It's not, prayer to them is not intelligent. It's just a haphazard feeling. If you actually are very consistent and deliberate about prayer life, you can tell when things started shifting in the realm of the spirit when you started putting your intercession on. You can tell. At this point, I prayed up until this point and certain things shifted. That's why you see that when Elijah was praying for the rain to come, he prayed and said, go check. There was no answer. He prayed again and said, go check. There was no He prayed again and said, go check. That man was deliberate, intentional, because he knew that he was praying to the God, Yahweh, and he would answer. What gave Elijah the confidence to bring the prophets of Baal and to tell them, put water here, put this thing here, put that here, put that here. I'm going to pray to God and the fire is going to come. What gave them that confidence? To them, prayer was not just... Uh, how will I put it now? Prayer was not just an activity. It was an intentional relationship with Yahweh. Are you following this? We're talking about praying the right way. Now, let's see how Matthew renders this when he was talking about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Matthew chapter... Okay, wait, hold on there. Stay, stay in Luke a bit. Just go a bit further. Luke chapter 18 verse 10. Let me show you something. We'll come back to Matthew. Luke chapter 18, verse 10. Two men, Luke 18, 10. <laughs> I like this story always. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, observe, he didn't use the word Father. What did he use here? God. Okay, now, disclaimer. I'm not saying you can't call God, God. That's not what I'm saying. I hope you understand where, where I'm going to. By the sacrifice of Jesus, He is now your Father. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. He's praying. How many times do we pray and ask God, and we're asking God for things at the backdrop we're using other people? How many times have you heard people pray, Oh God, do this so that people will know. Have you heard that? You know you shouldn't pray like that, right? You don't know. When you check whatever Jesus taught in the Lord's Prayer, what happened? He didn't say, Bless me, so that others will know you're God. Let me give you an announcement. Whether God blesses you or not, He is God. He remains God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
If you need something from God, ask Him directly. Don't bring me into the picture. The primary way God wants to show people that He's God in your life is through your character transformation when you become more like Christ. Because everything you're trusting God for now in the material world for God to show people that He's a good God, somebody who is not serving God has them in abundance. So you're trusting God for a Toyota Corolla that's uh, second hand. You see, you know, you've heard this, this, this English before, that it is, it's, a, it's brand new second hand. <laughs> you know, so you're trusting God for a brand new second hand Toyota Corolla, and you want God to use that to show your neighbor that he's a good God. And meanwhile, the, 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 the guy next door who doesn't serve God just bought a brand new BMW 7 Series. Who is God good to now? And that man doesn't believe in God. So if you need a car, just tell God you need a car. Don't drag your neighbor into that prayer. Two things. We either feel God has to do something so people will know we're serving Him, or we go to the place of prayer asking God to kill someone so that something good can happen to us. God doesn't need to kill for you to be blessed. That's, that's actually limiting His capacity. Somebody say, well, but the Bible says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Well, read just a bit of history. What Isaiah was saying there is was using the year that King Uzziah died to tell us about when he saw the vision because there were no dates. It's like saying, in the year that Abacha died, I gave birth to my child. It does not mean that Abacha had to die for you to give birth. It was just saying that it was when Abacha was in government that I gave birth to my child. That was to help you track when Isaiah saw the vision. So there's no prayer point like, oh, King Uzziah has to die for me to see the Lord. No, it's, if you buy a calendar, it will solve the King Uzziah problem. Are you following this? If you ask your grandfather, when did you give birth to me? You say, when Gowon was alive. It didn't mean that Gowon had to be alive for you to be burned. Gowon's being alive had nothing to do with the pregnancy of your mother. It's just a calendar space because they couldn't say April 13th or April 14th. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So that's praying the wrong way. Praying that people should die so you can have victory is praying the wrong way. Because Jesus came to save and not to kill. Somebody say, well, but after I prayed, my uncle died. I'm going to have a faith conversion in June and I'm going to tell you about the law of words. Your words carry power because anybody created in the image of God, whether they are born again or not, the power of words would always work. Now, when you say words or you speak death over people, Satan and his demons take a hold of those words and they use those words to impact people's life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's how curses work. Let's look at this now. How did I get there? What was I reading? <laughs> okay, <laughs> look at 11. <laughs> All right. The Pharisees stood and was praying to himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like, like other people. Yeah, that's how I got there. Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. This man was praying. 
wrong way to pray because one of the ways to know the right way to do something is also not to know the wrong way, right? One of the wrong way to pray is coming to the place of prayer with self-righteousness. What qualifies you to get answers in the place of prayer is not your works. It's the sacrifice of Jesus. So what qualifies us to come with boldness to the throne of grace is what Jesus has done for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you don't go into the place of prayer with self-righteous confidence. Now, I'm not against saying, because we, we, we need to qualify these things now. I'm not against saying that you live all kind of lifestyle and say, well, it's not by works. Then you, you, you come into the presence of God with your life not straightened out. That itself will inhibit your capacity to receive answers. And I always tell people this, if sin was not a problem, God would not have done something about it. The fact that Jesus sent man, sent, sorry, the fact that God sent Jesus to redeem man from sin shows you that sin has the capacity to destroy man. So, we, we are not talking about toying with sin here and feeling like, oh, well, I don't need to live right. No. Look at this. I fast twice a week. I pay tithe of all that I get. How many of you have, have heard this being taught? Hmm? When you go to the place of prayer, tell God something you have done for Him. Right? Tell Him, if you sweep the house, tell Him, I swept the house. Tell Him like Hezekiah. <laughs> the challenge we have is that we really do not, we really do not, and I, I, I apologize for saying this, but it's the truth. Many pastors do not know that there is the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it's a shame. Because, Sometimes people say, well, pray like Hezekiah. But you must understand that at that time, nothing qualified them to receive anything from God except their works. So if you needed to get something from God, you have to get a bond offering. You have to do something. Are you following what I'm saying? But in the New Testament, you don't have to do something for God to give something to you. All you have to do has been done in Christ. So we receive by faith what grace has provided. So I don't come to God and say, well, because I'm a pastor, you, you owe me this. No, God doesn't owe me anything because of what I'm doing. Listen, whatever I'm doing to God is a privilege to be able to serve Him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But, but when I come to the place of prayer, I'm coming into the pl place of prayer as a son to his father because the sacrifice of Jesus qualifies me to be a son. Imagine your, your child comes to you and says, you know what, daddy, we need to pay our school fees, but I really know you pay my school fees because I've been sweeping the house. How many of you would like your child to ask for school fees like that? You know what? I mean, or maybe your child comes to you, I want this, you know. You know, sometimes when your children are even doing something, you know, for instance, your child just gets up and starts watching the car. And you know that this guy, every time you say watch the car, he always tells you that his hand is spinning him. But this morning, he just got up and watched the car and swept the room. You know, at a point you say, come, 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 come. What, what are you going to ask him? All of you know, because you have played that game before. You just say, what do you want? You understand that that sacrifice is not pleasing to you. 
Because, listen carefully, listen carefully. You want your child to wash your car because he loves you as a father. Because you tell him, listen, your school fees is not equal to washing this car. If you want to even go by that, your school fees is maybe 100000 To wash the car in the car wash is maybe 2000 It means you have to wash this car for 2000 divided by 100000 Eh? Do, do you understand? Do you understand how, how it is? That means listen to me. Listen carefully. Your tithes, plus your coming to church every Sunday, plus your coming early, lifting holy hands before the Lord, winning souls. If you quantify all of those things and quantify what you are asking from God, it doesn't measure. Let me tell you how much tithes would qualify for your life. Let's let's do a math. What do you think? One million dollars? What do you think? Well, let's say, okay, fine. One kidney. Hmm? <laughs> God says, okay. If you serve me, I'll give you a good kidney. You serve me, I, how, how much service do you think would cost? You know, because sometimes we just, we just almost make God look like a fool. So you just see people sweeping. Oh, Father, I'm sweeping now. You sweep all the enemies, that's my life. Oh, God, I'm sweeping. I'm not like, listen, listen. If you're going to sweep this way to qualify for this, you might as well sweep for the next 1,000 years. What about if we start serving God out of love for Him? It's more like Solomon burned the 1,000 offerings to the Lord. And the Lord says, what do you want? And the man says, just give me wisdom. And God says, because you did not ask for wealth and riches. Our number one prayer point. He said, because you did not ask for the life of your enemies. Number two prayer point. If everything Solomon did not ask for is what we ask for today. Go and read it. Even in the Old Testament, Solomon asked for wisdom. Today, we don't even bother to ask for it. He said, just give me money. If I have money, I will have sense. <laughs> he said, give me money. He said, this, this foolishness is poverty cost. Are, are you following? He said, just give me money, I will have sense. <laughs> you know, but everything Solomon did not ask for, God says, listen, because, listen to this, because you did not ask for this, I will give it to you. And he asked for wisdom. Now, let's look at this carefully now. Look at this carefully. We do not, please watch this, approach prayer with our works. Once you come to the place of prayer, drop your works, accept the sacrifice of Jesus, and go before your Father. Are we, are we clear on that? Anything you're doing for God should be out of love. You're not giving because tomorrow you're going to remind God what you gave. You are not fasting so that tomorrow you will remind God. We're looking at the right way to pray. So we're looking at the wrong way now. So that you remind God. Let me tell you this. Fasting does not change God. Fasting positions you to be able to hear from God. Doesn't change God. Doesn't change the mind of God. <laughs> are you hearing this? What does fasting do? It quietens your body so you, must, you get victory instructions. So you say, I fast, pay tithe of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. This is why I read this example. When these two people come out from the place of prayer, both of them will think that their prayers was answered. But actually, it was only one person that God answers to prayers. 
So it's not, <laughs> look at this now, it's not every prayer God answers. It's not every prayer God answers. People have to be taught to pray the right way. For instance, people have to be taught not to come into the place of prayer with works. What avails on the throne is the blood. It's the blood of Jesus. That's what silences the voice of the accuser. That's what makes Jesus your intercessor. What qualifies you for answers is the blood of Jesus. It looks simple, but we need to watch that. That every time we come to the throne, we're not coming on the basis of, I have done this, so you have to do this. It's coming on the basis of, Christ has done this for me, therefore I qualify for this. And I receive by faith what grace has made available. Are you still here? Then say, tell God what you have done. Raise your tight booklet up to God. Let him see it. <laughs> uh. You know, David said, once I was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor the seed beg for bread. Why did he use the word the righteous? Why did David say the righteous? Because the basis of the man who will not be forsaken is the man who has received the righteousness of God. That's our approach. Hallelujah. That's our approach. Don't go to God and try to hold him hostage by your works. Go to God Receiving his mercy by the grace of Jesus. Why do we do good works? Because we love the house of God. Why do we give? Because we want the gospel to go forth. Because we want our pastors well paid. We want our staff paid. We want the message to go forth. Why do we come to sweep the house of God? Because we want the place to be comfortable to hear the word of God. Why do we win souls? We want more people to hear the good news. What about if I need a baby from the Lord? Go to him and ask him. Because Jesus has made it available for you to be fruitful. Are you following this? Listen, God's answer is not to the highest bidder. God's answer is to the ones who trust in his word. Glory to God. Now, let's look at this now. We can now go to... Uh, <laughs> look, let, let's read this. Let's, let's read this. It's very interesting. Let's just finish it. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. What is exaltation here now? Putting your works in prayer. It's, the Bible calls it self-exaltation. You know, even people talk about Hezekiah a lot, but I laugh. You remember that when Hezekiah got those 15 years more back, he ended up, wasn't a good story. So it would have been good for him to pass on when he passed on. Many of us think we understand life. We don't. That's why the scripture says, do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's why I, I'm trusting God to help me get to the end of this message. We have to pray the word. The word is more intelligent than we are. Most times we think we know what we need, but we really do not know what we need. How many of you look back at your life and you're grateful that God did not answer some prayers? Eh? And you know how you harass God to answer those prayers? 
Eh? So you know that God did not answer there. You know you prayed the wrong way. So you can thank God for his mercy that he didn't answer those. Have you, have you, have you, have you prayed some prayers and when you look back and I say, God, please, please, if the answer was on the way, stop the bike, man. Are you following what I'm saying? So you see sometimes that God in his mercy just looks at us. And that's why spiritual growth is important. Because when a man becomes matured in God, his relationship to God is not based on answered or unanswered prayers. He trusts in the faithfulness and the loving kindness of God. I like something about David. When he sinned and the prophet came to him, and gave him the three judgments. And he said what? He said, I'd rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of man. You know, God, David so trusted God. He said, even if God is to punish me, I'd rather take the punishment from God. Rather, do you understand? He had an unfailing trust and confidence in God. What am I trying to say? Even if what you're trusting God for doesn't come to pass, what happens to your confidence? Glory to God. Now look at this. It says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. So, in the context of our discussion, what is exaltation now? Yourself, putting uh, works in the place of prayer. But he who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. So, Jesus tells us two things here. That there is an approach to prayer. It's the approach of humility. What's the approach of humility? The approach of the word. We're not coming into the place of prayer based on what we have done for God. So, First things first, prayer is not transactionary. It is not that God, I'm going to do this for you, and then you'll do this for me. Or, this is what I've done, so I qualify to receive this from you. Because I tell you, most of the things that God has done in our life, when we even look, if we qualify for them, you realize that you don't qualify. For instance, I'll give a practical example with my life. What do you think I would have done to qualify for the call to ministry? Scripture clearly says that no man takes this honor to himself, but he that is called. So the call of God on my life, first of all, it's the grace of God on my life. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I cannot approach the throne of grace as a pastor. Do you understand that? I cannot go and introduce myself to God as pastor. I have to approach the throne of grace as what? As a servant of God whom his grace has found worthy, Paul says, he counted me faithful to put me in the ministry. And that's why sometimes, even as ministers of the gospel, we have to be careful, you know, because sometimes we, we almost have this approach as we teach the saints that God can answer our prayers more than God can answer their prayers. But that actually is not very true because everyone has access to God. Praise God. But as a shepherd, the Lord puts an anointing in my life or speaks a word over my life and I speak it over the people and it comes to pass. But the truth of the matter is we must also teach people that the blood of Jesus that qualifies me to stand here to preach the gospel to you, it's the same blood that qualifies you to go to the throne of grace and ask God when you have need. It's the same blood. Praise God. Okay, now let's go to Matthew's rendering now. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 10. Sorry, Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 6. 
We're talking about praying the right way. Matthew 6, look at this. Verse 5. When you pray, <coughs> excuse me, when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. Now understand this. It means also that the hypocrites pray. Okay? For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. So, look at the intention. So that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. So let's observe this. Number one, wrong way to pray. You are not praying for showmanship. You are not praying to be seen. You know, I've, I've exhibited that before in my growing up years. When you go for some meetings, eh? and you hear somebody praying in tongues, ah, you tell yourself, no, 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 that guy cannot, cannot do tonguing more than me. You, you will also now start firing. You know, at that point, we have left prayer into competition. Eh? Come on now. Or I, was I the only one that did it? Eh? Hear somebody's tongue and say, ah, this tongue is thick. You now go and do rehearsals and come back with thicker tongues. You know, at that point, we are not praying. <laughs> so we don't pray for showmanship. That's why we need to be. I, I put up a prophetic word yesterday on social media, and it's the word of the Lord to me, and, 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 and I stand by it that God is raising up a prayer movement in this nation, and what he's doing, we should not corrupt by showmanship. And I've stood on this pulpit many times to declare that word. You know, we see a lot of six hours prayers going on, 12 hours prayer going on all around in this country now. This thing must not become a competition. Because now it's about how long you pray. It must not become a competition. We must not corrupt what the Lord is trying to do in laying a foundation for a new nation. You know, because we always have all these competitive things going on. This one did four hours. I'm doing six hours. We are doing 12. We are doing 24, 46. It's not, we need to calm down. Uh, you understand that? Because there is always the tendency of trying to corrupt the move of God. Is it good to pray long? It, it is good. But most times, sometimes, we don't even need to advertise some of those things. Because I'm going to talk about it here. One of the things about understanding how to pray is learning how to pray in secret. What does that mean? That if the person who has developed a, a, a lifestyle of prayer has a secret prayer life. That you are not just somebody who prays publicly, but you don't have a secret prayer life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, so when they give you the mic to lead opening prayer, you are everywhere. Fire, fire, fire. Once you drop the mic, till the next time you are leading prayer, that's when you'll be shouting. No secret prayer life. The scripture says they pray that they may be seen by men. So when men see you, you are on fire. You pray. But when men, do you, he said, I'll tell you something. To pray in secret when no one is seeing you is the real discipline. Because it's easy to sleep off. Hmm? You know you can be praying and you just sleep. <laughs> Most times. I, well, I don't know how to pray very quietly, actually. Not that I don't know how to pray very quietly, but, I mean... Except in cases where it's a public place or I'm traveling or something. Why will I pray quiet? Because there's always a tendency of, I mean, sleeping off, dozing off. And the, the, the funny thing about it, in your mind you think you are still praying. <laughs> you only realize that 
you are not praying, when you see yourself in a position that that's not how I started this prayer. I started this prayer like this, but now you are like that. Okay? So, so you have to be intentional about it. You have to be intentional about it. So you are not praying to be seen by men. You are not praying so men would know that you are a prayer warrior. Look at this. Verse 7. Verse 6, sorry. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, pray to your father, to your father. Observe that word again. Pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will do what? We reward you. The King James Version says we reward you openly. Let's understand this. Right prayer is also prayer done in secret. What that means is this. Listen carefully to this. A man who has a secret prayer lifestyle cannot go unrewarded. God sees that and will reward you. God sees that and will do what? Will reward you. You know, when they brought that, 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 um, that, demon-possessed boy, and says, why couldn't you cast him out? And says, this type great not except by prayer and fasting. Okay? When you read that, well, unbelief is actually why it wasn't, wasn't casted out. But another way you, you need to look at it is this. He wasn't saying as they brought that boy now, they should immediately go to fast and pray. Jesus already had a prayer and a fasting culture. Let me tell you this about life. Develop daily consistency in prayer and waiting on the Lord and ministering to the Lord. The day that trouble arises, you would have built up energy to deal with it. Most times, we deal with troubles when it's an emergency. So they say, this person is not well, or these things have been so, yeah, let's declare fast, let's declare fast. It will not happen, it will not happen, it will not happen. To be honest, if you're not somebody who is very trained in faith, at that point, you have moved into fear. There was a time we were coming, I think a couple of, maybe two, three years ago. Okay, maybe three years ago when we traveled. So we're coming back. We went on somewhere with the family. So we're, we're flying back. And the weather in Lagos was bad. So we had to go land in Togo. Right? I think Togo or Kotonou, somewhere. We landed in, in Kotonou. And then uh, they said, well, the weather is cleared again. So we, we, we went up. And we were to come back to Lagos. Midway, they said the weather was very terrible. We're running into, you know, you could feel all the, this thing. So, I, so, I mean, I was there with my wife, and then somebody started praying and everything. And I told my wife, I said, you see, I said just listen to the prayers that are going to come forth. I said, 90% is going to be out of fear. And then you saw songs, people were praying, people were praying, people were praying. And, you know, I, I know she was expecting me to pray. But at that time, right, I was waiting for victory instruction. I was waiting for what to say, what to declare. Because once you get into that, that panic mood, you know what I'm saying about. 90% of your prayer, in your mind, it is like, oh God, save me. I will not die. I will, because in your mind is already telling you, you are dead. Do you understand? Now listen carefully now. That thing that is telling you, you are dead. That's the real faith you have. It's that thing you need to change. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That's, that's the real image. Your image in your mind, you already see the play coming down. You, you, some of you have seen they have printed your picture. You, many things. So, that, that thing is what you need to change. And changing that thing is not by talking. Is it easy? It's not easy. 
Was I battling with fear? I was. But I had understood that in those moments, it is one word from the realm of the spirit that brings calm. And what rose up in my spirit, the scripture that the Lord has given to us when he was sending us here. And I just said that, and that was all. I'm not saying there was calm. No. There was not there was no calm outside. But on the inside, there was calm. What made Jesus to sleep in the midst of the storm was the fact that he knows that his destiny is to go to the cross and the storm did not look like the cross. So no matter how the storm rages, he will go through it and still go to the cross. When God has shown you some things that will happen in your life, it doesn't matter how thick the storm is. In the place of prayer, you can go to peace. That's what the scripture says, the peace of God that passes understanding. That means people cannot understand. How can you be peaceful in this situation? That thing does not come from books you have read. It comes from the place of fellowship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody cannot counsel you to have this peace. It's the peace of God that guards your heart. Praise God. So, it says, when you pray, go into this and your father will reward. <laughs> and when you are praying, I really want to go, to go into this. When you are praying, it says, do not use meaningless repetition. We'll deal with that. Meaningless repetition. The, the, the King James Version says vain repetition. What's the word vain? Something that has no substance. Don't use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So I, I put something here in my notes. I'll just read out to you. Number one, you're not praying for show, showmanship. Number, number, number two, B, the heathens also pray, hypocrites pray. Number C, they use vain repetitions. That means, and I need you to really pick this. This is the crux of the message. They use vain reputation. They use words that do not have power. Now, he was actually also referring to 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's read that story very quickly. 1 Kings chapter 18. And verse 25. 1 Kings 18, 25. <laughs> 1 Kings 18, 25. You'd have seen people, when you want to travel by road, some of those pastors come to pray. Hmm? No, pray. <clears throat> Even if you had no fear in the journey, by the time they finish praying, you will not have fear. How I many of you have experienced that? You just call up from your house excited, you have fellowship with the Lord, you want to pray, you want to, you want to travel. You just sit on the seat. Just say, let us pray, let us pray, let us pray. Bow your head, everybody. No blood sucking demon. They will return in peace, not in pieces. You know, and while they are praying all of those things, your mind is already going to. They will not be kidnapped. Many, many things. Even things that were not in your mind will start originating. And that's what you need to be careful of. Because prayer is actually not just vain reputation. Prayer is not meaningless words. And I'll show you here. Prayer, essentially, is taking God's word back to him. That's how to pray the right way. That's the summary of the message. You take the word of God and you say what God has said. That's how your prayer becomes deliberate, consistent, and intentional. But let's look at this. First Kings 18 verse 25. Look at this. 
You remember the context to the prophet of Baal. So Elijah said to the prophet of Baal, Choose an ox for yourself and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God. Put no fire in it. So they did that. Hmm? They took the ox which was given them and they prepared it and called the name of Baal from morning until noon. Say, Oh Baal, answer us. Hmm? <clears throat> I want you to read this and cast your mind back to some kind of prayer meetings. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. They were praying. Verse 27. It came about noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he is occupied, or he has gone aside, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. How many times have we prayed to God and it almost looked like this, as if God has traveled? <laughs> Look at this. So they cried with a loud voice and caught themselves according to their custom with sword and lances until blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no, no voice and no one answered and no one paid attention. Go to verse 36. At the time of, of the offering of the evening sacrifice, <coughs> Elijah the prophet came and said, O oh Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things, look at this, at what? At your word. 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 I want you to see that. At your word. What happened when Elijah began to pray? He, he, he went back to the word. He says, what I'm doing right now is according to your word. And you know what? God had no option but to answer. Can you see the difference between the prophet of Baal and, and, and prophet Elijah? Elijah said, everything I'm doing right now is at your word. He wasn't just jumping up and down like the prophets. He says, listen, what I'm doing right now is at your word. That's vain reputation. Prayer is not just saying many words. Many people think, oh, the more the words, the more God will be moved to answer. No, that's not true. It has to be consistent with the written word. It has to be consistent with the written word. Now, let's go to, um, go back again to Matthew chapter 6. Let's finish that. It says, verse 7, And when you're praying, do not use meaningless reputation as the Gentiles do, for they suppose they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So your father uses the word father again. Observe, every time Jesus was talking to the disciples about prayer, he always uses the word what? Father. What is he trying to say? Listen, listen, you're not, you're not praying to a distant God like Bill. You've got a relationship. He is your father. He already even knows what you need. He's got your need factored in. He's got your needs covered. Can I tell you something? There's nothing you will ever ask from God that He has not already provided. It's not like when you start praying today, God will say, Hey, oh yeah, make arrangement, make arrangement. My daughter needs a husband. No. It's not when you start praying that God is going to create your husband. He's been there all the time. Actually, what God needs to do for us is actually to open our eyes. To see. To know what to do. Now I say, so... Pray then in this way. Our Father. So he uses the word Father again. Okay, now, let's do one more scripture if we can. First John chapter 5. Uh, wow, 
Okay, let me see. First John five thirteen. First John five thirteen. Mm, 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 mm. This is good. First John chapter five verse thirteen. Now look at this. Remember, I was talking to the disciples. These things I have written to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Did you see that? So, John was writing to a category of people. Who, are, who, who is John writing to? Those who believe. Follow this. Those who believe in the name of the Son of God. Remember John chapter 1 verse 11 to 13. He says, as many as believed him, to them he gave what? Power to become what? Follow that. That's very important. To as many as believed in his name, he gave what? Power to do what? To become what? The sons of God. Now, I've told you many times, what's the Greek word for power used there? Not dynamis, exousia, authority, rights, legal rights, not dynamic power. Okay? He didn't give you power to become the son of God. He gave you the legal rights to become the son of God. So you have the legal right to use the name of Jesus. It's like saying, when, when I give birth to my children, they have a legal right to my name. When I got married to my wife, she has a legal right to my name. So she can actually go take my name to do something. John 1, 11, when you became a child of God and you got born again, God gave you the right to use the name of Jesus because the name of Jesus is the family name. So when you go to the throne of grace to approach God, you're not just going to God as one of his created children, you're going to God as his joint heir with Christ, and you can use the family name in the throne of God, and that's Father. It changes how you pray. You no longer pray as a victim who needs help, you pray as a son whose God writes. I repeat that again. You're not just praying as a victim who needs help, you're praying as a son who has rights. Rights provided by grace and your faith takes a hold of it. Look at this. These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So eternal life is not when you die and go to heaven. So any song you're singing that puts eternal life on the afterward is scripturally wrong. One day we shall have eternal life. One day. No, 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 no. No, don't do that. Don't, you're singing outside the word. You will not have eternal life. You have eternal life if you're born again. That's Bible now. Am I right? <laughs> the way you're looking at me. Let's read it again. These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have, not shall have, not will have. You have eternal life. What's eternal life? Believing in the Son. For as the Son himself has life in himself, he has given life to those who believe in him. You see, we have to be conscious of this. Because if we are not conscious of this, it will affect the way we pray. Because what I see most times in the place of prayer is people who are weak, who are beggarly, who are desperate. People who are not sure if God is going to answer. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to rise up to your authority in God and don't allow the devil push you around here. You are the one with the authority. Don't give him a place. Praise God. Look at this. This is the confidence which we have. Oh, thank you, Lord. We have before him. Or some translations actually uses the word in him. Before him or toward him. 
Okay, so you find the word toward, or you find the word in, before him, that if we ask anything, look at this, according to his will, he hears us. John was clear about this. Now, the question actually now comes, what is the will of God? That's where the problem is now with believers. <laughs> What's the will of God? Now, let's look, let's look at this statement first. He says, we have this confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So, the first thing is, is God hearing my prayers? Then the next question I need to ask is, is, that, is he according to his will? And someone say, how will I know the will of God? Well, the word testament actually is the word will. That's why the scripture says that a testament is not valid until the testator is dead. That means that you cannot read a man's will when he's alive. Huh? So your father is alive. You say, we are taking your will. The only man who read his father's will when he was alive was the prodigal son. I say, divide what you have. May God not give us prodigal children in Jesus' name. How can you be alive? Say, I know that you will die and they will divide this thing into two. Say, just give me my own. I can't wait for you to die. <laughs> and the man wasted all his inheritance because wealth without wisdom will lead to wastage. Hmm? Instead of asking for the wisdom of the Father, he asked for the wealth of the Father. Let's leave that. But look at this. According to his will, the word of God is God's testament. This is his will. So listen to this. When I know something is in the will of God, I shouldn't be praying if it is your will. I already know God's will. The prayer of faith has no if. So immediately you start saying, if it is your will, and you know the will that is written, you're already praying wrong. Praise God. I'll show you this. Now look at this. If we know that He hears us, in whatever we ask, look at this, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. See how confident John says. He says, listen, if I pray according to his will, and I, I, and, and I know that I pray according to his will, then I have a confidence that what I have asked him, he has heard me, and we know that I have the request from which we have asked from him. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. The challenge with most believers is they leave, listen to this, they leave the place of prayer, and they are not sure if God has answered them. So you know what happened? They leave the place of prayer, and they will still go and complain about the same thing they prayed about. Maybe I'll deal with this next Sunday. Many people pray and nullify their answers with words. God was talking to me something about the growth of the church. And I was in the office and God just told me something about the growth and everything. And then, it's a rebuke, so I will not tell you what he said. But God just said, <laughs> God just said this, listen, if you want this thing to grow this way, you have to eliminate this and eliminate that. Because every time you pray and you are trusting me for growth, you say this and you nullify what I'm about to do. Are you hearing this? Let me tell you, I don't prepare a message for you. Most of the things I teach are the things that God is teaching me. I teach out of the overflow. I don't consciously say, what will I teach these people? Ah, they are not giving. Let's do something. I don't do that. Because if you do that, you will start, it is the people that will not be determining what you preach. When you see that people are not coming to church, you will not preach commit, commitment to greatness. <laughs> Why? No, no, no. A minister, first of all, fellowships with the Father. And out of the overflow are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. 
you begin to do what? To communicate and share. So you are not preaching to make people something. No, you are sharing the truths of the divine life. So, look at this. It says, we know that we have the request we have asked from him. Maybe we'll deal with this next Sunday. What that means is that if I pray according to the will of God, and I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this is the will of God, the only thing that is permitted to come out from my mouth after that prayer is thanksgiving. Anything else nullifies the effect of that prayer. Because what that means is I'm saying God did not hear and I did not receive my answers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I prayed about this thing. Oh, there was something I, uh, there was, I, I mean, concerning my children, and I'll tell you the truth. Concerning my children, you know, maybe they do some certain things and everything. And then the enemy will bring thoughts into my head. You know, you know what I'm saying? Ah, pastor's children. Hey, before the, ah, there was one pastor. And I don't bother myself. I don't even pray about it. You know what? I cast the care of that on God. I can't be worrying and God is worrying at the same time. You know, God doesn't worry, but let's put it for the sake of example. Hmm? Some of us, we, this is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do. Gideon, come quickly. Huh? We have a few minutes. Come quickly. This is what we do, right? I have this problem. Everybody look up. This is the problem I have. This is the challenge that's causing me to worry night and day. Okay? So you hear a message like this. And then you cast the care on God. The word cast means to throw. It's the same way I say, say I cast it out of it. So I throw it on God. Eh? And then what happens? My thought life again. What about the white handkerchief? What about the Excuse me, excuse me. Then you worry. Then you worry. You spend more time worrying. And say, ah! Then at a the point, you just remember something. Ah! This thing. Hey! God is in your hand. It's in your hand. And then the enemy will come again. That white handkerchief. Are you sure? Is it, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse me. I mean, that's what we do. And we, thank you, Gideon. And we wonder why we don't have answers. God will not break rules for you. Listen to this carefully. Listen to this carefully. Don't ever miss this. The realm of the spirit is precise. And the realm of the spirit is just. The realm of the spirit operates by legality. That is why when you sin and Satan comes to accuse you before the Lord, he says when you confess your sin, listen to this, he did not say he is only faithful to forgive you. He says he is faithful and just to forgive you because there is a legal requirement for forgiveness. God does not just forgive you because he feels like forgiving you. God forgives you because someone has paid the price. That is why Jesus is not just referred to our Savior, he is also referred to our Advocate. The realm of the Spirit operates very precise and very legal. And you see, on the earth realm we can deceive ourselves, but in the Spirit realm we cannot deceive ourselves. That's why it, the scripture says, a, a, God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. What it means is that if you approach the place of prayer with intentionality and deliberateness, it will show in your life that you are a person of prayer. God will reward you openly. But you can come up here and do all the loud prayers and have a form of godliness but deny the power of thereof. It will show in your life that there is no power at work. Are you following this? So he says, if we pray according to his will. Let me, let me wrap this up because I want you to get this. The word confidence there in the Greek, it means frankness, bluntness, mm, assurance, the liberty of access and speech. We can get into the throne room and we have liberty and access to speak words 
to pray to our Father. But there's something I want to go here. Go to Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. I need to finish this. Go to Hosea chapter 14, verse 2. Hosea 14, verse 2, quickly. It says, Take words with you. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all guilt and receive us graciously so that we may present the fruit of our lips. He says, take words and return to the Lord. That means in the place of prayer, we take words to the Lord. We take words to the Lord. We take what is written back to him. That's why the guarantee to answer prayers is praying the word. Let me show you an example. Go to Acts chapter 13. When you are doing persecution. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 4, sorry. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Listen, God answers prayers. No, no, no. God answers prayers. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, quickly. Let me show you something here. Acts 4, 23. Hmm? When they were released, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders have said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, and said, look at what they said, and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, now, they were persecuted, but look at what they were doing. They were quoting Psalms chapter 2. They took words and returned to God. They didn't just say, Oh God, they are flogging us and you are there. They are flogging. No, 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 no. They took words. They looked for, <laughs> come on. They looked for what represented that situation in the scriptures. Because everything happening on the earth has a scriptural representation. Come on, are you following this? They looked for what represents, and they didn't have the New Testament. So they went back to the scriptures, the Old Testament. They went to Psalm 2. And say, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people devised futile things. The kings of the earth took their stand. And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city... They were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom he anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. What happened? They took scriptures of Psalm chapter 2 and found its fulfillment in what happened to the life of Jesus as it relates to them. They are taking words back to God. Now see, it says, And now Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your servant may speak your word with all confidence. What happened? Because before, they, before Jesus ascended, the command he gave to them was to go and preach the gospel. So they took that word. And he said, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. What were they saying here? Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they sh-. what happened? They took words back to God. And when that happened, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. What happened? They did not pray that God should kill anybody. They took words and went back to God. In this one prayer, three scriptures were fulfilled. Psalm chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, go into the word, preach the gospel, Mark chapter 16, this sign shall follow them. And when they prayed, the Holy Ghost responded. He granted them utterance. 
Why? They took words back to God. How many Christians do you ask? This thing you're going to, which scripture are you standing on? Say, I just believe you. What God cannot do does not exist. Okay, what is the framework? Where is the interpretation of this in the spirit? What are you taking back to God? Listen, let me say this. Ah, let me say this. In the last three months, we've had more downloads in our ministry. In fact, in the last three months, we've had our messages downloaded, not the messages we sent across, just downloaded from our website over 3,900 times. We've never had that kind of. Yeah. Huh? And you know why? Because at the beginning of the year, God showed me Acts chapter 16. And he said, listen, pray this over the word. Acts 16, 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Tarita, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening. And the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken, to, spoken by Paul. And God said, pray this over the ministry. That the things you teach, I will open people's hearts to receive it. So I go before the Lord and I take this word back to him. What is the response? We check the data and the data goes up. This is not social media adverts. This is not... Are you hearing what I'm saying? And sometimes people reach me... <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 something happened in the office. We're trying to look for a meeting we're planning, uh, a camp meeting we're planning in Lagos for pastors. And, and then my staff was looking for something. We were looking for the advert of one of the pastors who was going to come to do a video advert. And then it came into a Wabbeck meeting and saw a pastor who, was, who did something on Wabbeck with 10 minutes. And then I, 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 I know the pastor was my friend on Facebook, on Facebook. So I just reached out to him and I said, oh, how are you? You know, just greeting him. You know, when you see people and you just want to greet them. And then he reaches back and says, oh, I think I need to meet you. I've listened to one of your podcasts for pastors and I made sure all the leaders in my ministry listened to it. And I've listened to it several times. And I came back to the office and I showed him. I said, look at this person say he listened to this. How do you do that? Do you now send a request? Have you, have you seen people harass you with this? We have released this music. Please download. Please share. Please share. Please share. Please share. You need to go back to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Concerning that situation in your life, concerning that thing you are believing for, the first thing you need to do is to settle with the word of God. And then you look into the scriptures. And you take words back to God. And you stay on those words until you see a visible manifestation. You will be able to now tell yourself, you know what? This thing that happened in my life, it was this scripture that God answered. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why prayer is intelligent. It's not just shouting, Oh Father, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year, this is the year. No, you need to find out how the year will look like by the word. Because this is the year, it's not prayer. It's, it's vain reputation. It's meaningless reputation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where you are shouting, this is the year. Oh God, this is the year. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. God says, I'm living inside of you. I didn't plan to leave you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's vain reputation. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We ask that the entrance of your word will give light. We pray, Holy Spirit of God, that it will give understanding to the simple. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that light will shine forth strongly. And our Father God, our prayer lives will be aligned in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray.
Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.